Mississippi State is in training camp, and you're in the doghouse here on the Believe Network. Welcome back to the doghouse. This is your host, David Murray, as we begin another week covering Mississippi State sports, particularly preseason football. And we are again brought to you on the Believe Network and by our new sponsor, Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events. So what's the wager on Bulldogs being outdoors the next couple of days? Well, Sunday weather certainly interrupted that. Uh, now, I stress when I say weather, uh, not a drop of rain fell on campus in the times that Mississippi State was assembled for the afternoon session. The Bulldogs were forced inside by lightning. And I must tell you that uh, I came out to campus early myself, was able was in the parking lot outside the Palmero Complex as players went indoors, and certainly... There was the electrical stuff flashing on all points of the horizon. None got terribly close, but all fell just close enough that for safety's sake, they stayed inside. No rain, lots of heat. I'll just say it got rather toasty there in the Honda, and it got out to walk around, which tells you anything. If that's what's cooler, you know it was kind of steamy there. But eventually, uh, Mississippi State completed its practice indoors. We had a chance to interview four assistant coaches. One of them will be on Gene's page uh, with uh, running backs coach Jason Watson, Washington, who I had a chance to speak with. We'll be addressing that in just a moment as well. Uh, three days into camp, first two, steamy, steamy, steamy heat. In fact, uh, we're told that there's a regulation that teams aren't supposed to practice when the conditions reach a technical figure of 110, as in temperature slash humidity slash it just feels rotten. Well, I can attest, they practiced in those conditions the first two days. But Mike Leach started the practice a little bit early and ended it both times a good bit early. Uh, just a barely two hours, if that, outdoors. Chance to talk to Leach on Friday. A chance to talk to uh, coordinator Zach Garnett and a couple of defensive dogs on Saturday afternoon. And again today, four more assistants as well. So you can read all these interviews, Q&As, and other things on the website. Kind of takeaways. Yeah, that's what you want to hear. What do we think? All right, let's get into it. What do I think about camp so far after just three days, two of them observed and one talked about? Let's go position by position. Have a little fun with that. Quarterbacks. Yeah, it's a two-dog deal. And I don't mean a 1-1-A or a 1-A-1-B. It's a straightforward one and two. Will Rogers is number one. Sawyer Robertson is number two. And the other four guys wearing green jerseys. And by the way, it's a darker shade of green this year. Kind of stylish, in fact. Uh, instead of just the kind of bland, uh, grassy green of previous years. A little more rich. And as a former Taylorsville Tartar, I do like my green. Okay, enough down that rabbit hole. But uh, of the six quarterbacks throwing in the first day, only two truly matter. And by the way, if there's a number three right now, I would judge, and this is purely on the first two days of observation, but when they did have three quarterbacks working in drills for the first and second teams, Chance Lovertich was number three. Daniel Greek and Jake Weir and Braden Locke were over with the reserves, the scout team, whatever you want to call it, going against the defensive team. So that's where it stands, but it's a one-two between Robertson and Rodgers. Rodgers, the veteran, has the lead. I'm pretty sure he's going to keep the lead. Now, I can't say that either looks a whole lot different from what we saw from their spring skill sets so far. They seem to have the same strengths, and uh, 
not going to say they have the weaknesses because, um, all right, Robertson could be a little more accurate and Rodgers could have a little more zip on the ball. But I'm going to tell you, Will is throwing the ball deeper this year and not because he couldn't do it in previous years. That will get more into what the receivers are doing here in this camp and what opportunities there are to let the ball air it out a little bit more. Now, only the contact days are going to tell any true tales on what Rodgers and Robertson are doing better this preseason. I will say there's been darn few interceptions, which is something the defense is free to do, even when uh, officially it's no contact. Funny, uh, if they're going up in the air for the ball, I think the coaches turn a blind eye to that regulation and just let them knock each other around. Well, there's only been a handful of picks so far, and some pretty athletic ones, I do have to say, by the Mississippi State secondary. That's good news because that group um, really needs to upgrade its game. My point being, though, the quarterbacks have generally been on target. Rodgers more accurate. Uh, Robertson a little bit more range, but not so much more range than it really ought to be made much of an issue of. I just like how Rodgers is running the team. And make no mistake, he is the leader of this ball team. Will, this is Will Rogers' offense for sure, and maybe even the entire team. He's just got that kind of imprint on the club already. You like to see that because, yeah, other positions can be leaders, but you really love it when your quarterback is the man. Will, Ridge, Will Rogers has the best chance to be the man on this ball team. As far as the running backs, I mentioned that I talked to Coach Washington today. He's certainly pleased by his guys are working so far. Now again, that's another position where the defense, when they're not free to hit you, you can probably run a little bit more freely than you do when you have to worry about getting knocked around. But you like what you've seen from Jaquavius Marks and Dylan Johnson. And Kreshavian Hargrove, Bull Hargrove as they call him, yeah, he's fast. He's got legitimate speed, and but let's not rule out Simeon Price. You know, I had forgotten about him as well after his injury last year. He's had some good moves there in camp as well. But we don't need to talk too much about the backs as runners just yet because they haven't done a whole lot of, other than a few draw plays such as that. They have done a lot of work in pass protection and blocking drills, but not just stay in there till death do you part. More like make your block, and if you see the opportunity, take off. Get out in the route and get open for another passing option. That's what Washington talked about as well. So there's your running backs. And we'll move on now to other offensive positions. But first, let's have a word from our sponsor, Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-the-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, National Basketball Association, the NHL, combat sports, esports, and would you believe it, even golf? Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. And use the promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks to our sponsor there, as we return to our doghouse look at Mississippi State practices so far. Alignment, well, all you need to know about, probably all you want to know about, is left tackle, and honestly, that's all we need to discuss for a while at this point. Now, not that we can say anything is for sure just yet, but I have to say, Quatrivius, i.e. Dollar Bill Johnson, 
he looks the part, and enough plays, he plays the part. But then that's been kind of his career. Here's a guy that still, despite being up there as far as a playing age, has not played a lot of ball games yet. So he's just slow maturing in the position. That's not a knock on him. Some guys just are like that, particularly at the all-important position. Well, and face it, when you're stuck behind Charles Cross last year, you're not going to get a whole lot of chances to get online maturing. Well, here's his great big chance. He came on strong towards the end of the spring and gave Percy Lewis not just a battle, but um, in some eyes may have won that battle for the right tackle job over the transfer. Is it settled? No, not even close to settled yet. But you like the way that's heading because the competition is not between who do we have to put in there as into which one of them do we get to plug in there. I'm not concerned about the interior trio as long as everyone stays healthy. And even there's n- not, even if not healthy, there is some depth there. Uh, let me, I'm, I fumbled that around a little bit. Let's repeat it. I'm not concerned about the interior trio. And even if they aren't healthy, there is some depth there with the return of Cole Smith and the transfer of Stephen Lasoya. Well, they still have much to prove, but I just I think State is in a really good position at the guard and center spots. And as we saw in spring, a couple of those guards, if they have to, could switch out to tackle. I don't think they're going to have to, and that would be a very positive point coming out of this camp so far. They'll have a lot to prove as a unit now. Individually, you can look fine as a unit. They have to prove themselves, and boy, are they going to get chances to prove themselves against this defensive front. More on that unit in just a moment. Let's talk about receivers, and in fact, in our um, notebooks the first two days, receivers dominated. Well, why not? There's a lot of them out there. I've had more than one sideline commentator, uh, some of them former players at State, some former coaches at State and elsewhere who happen to have the right connections to get into practice and just want to talk about what they see. One of the first things they mention is receiver depth, and not even just the numbers they have, which is impressive enough because, boy, can some of we elder fans talk about years when that receiver roster was really thin in numbers, not to mention quality. Well, this year you've definitely got the numbers, and all the indications are the quality is building as well. They're not a super physical bunch so far, n- not so much bulky guys out there maybe, but that's rarely essential in today's game other than downfield blocking. And by the way, technique makes up for bulk if it's done right, something Coach Steve Spurrier has been emphasizing pretty openly the first couple of days in drills. I had a chance to stand pretty close to them as passes were thrown in even in seven-on-seven pass scale drills. He wasn't paying attention to the guy catching the ball and running with it. He was all over the receiver to that side, whose job was to spring that uh, teammate outside or inside, how he did it with hand technique, placement. It was kind of amusing when he had to get on to a guy, say, a Caleb Ducking or a uh, Rara Thomas or others, guys have a little bit of height on them, when they were taking on a down-the-line safety who might be as much as six inches shorter. Amusing to say get down, but about the hand placement and the looks, keep the head up, that sort of thing, that applies no matter who you're trying to shield off from the guy with the ball. You know, something else, too, that that occurred to me when I was uh, setting up a script for this show. Maybe this ought to be kind of encouraging that there's so much emphasis on blocking downfield. I mean, why would we obsess on 
getting into a defender 10 or more yards from the starting line of the play if you're not expecting pass catchers to get that far and go even farther. See what I mean there? They're not just uh, thinking what if. They're planning on having guys be ready at a moment's notice to protect for somebody who's caught the ball behind them, take out that defender and give them more room, and they're not doing it from, say, four to seven yards of the line of scrimmage has been the case so often previously. Well, yeah, those tunnel screens are still there. And by the way, those tunnel screens sure work well when there's no contact allowed. And we'll see in coming days if they work quite so well. That doesn't negate the larger point that more of the throws are going a little farther downfield, receivers are doing more with the ball, and the blocking is allowing some of that. You know, the majority, and I do mean vast majority, of the throws that have been made so far have been within 20 yards. That's not surprising. That's what the air rate is. Quick release, get it to the first open guy you see who's moving, and see what can happen. True long shots have been few and far between, Though, if any of you wonder, a couple of times I have observed some uh, really good connections from Rodgers and Robertson both way down the field. So there's that. But what I ought to emphasize is that while, yes, still the typical toss is inside that 20-yard box imaginary line you can draw from the line of scrimmage, 20 yards downfield and sideline to sideline, it just seems like the ball is a good bit closer to the whole 20 yards than ever before. Certainly more and more of the throws are going 10 and more yards. Even a lot of the catches by running backs in their routes, they end up getting first-range distances because the throws are leading the backs. How often in the last two seasons watching the air raid operate when Rodgers has to default to his back, he throws it almost parallel in the field or maybe a yard or two ahead where the Running back has to pause to catch, then regain his momentum, maybe even turn his whole body upfield to start running again. That's not happening now. More and more throws are being put in front of the back, not so far as they have to really stretch and strain to get it, but enough where their physical momentum carries them after the catch at full speed. Yeah, it's early. I still like seeing it because you know at least they're trying to accomplish this now. So I think that's a uh, that's an upgrade on the offensive side that they're certainly working on this year. Maybe we get to see it in real games because that could be a game changer. You know, we talk about which receiver is going to be the top dog in the unit. It may again be a running back, but boy, would it be radically different from 2020 when running backs caught such a ridiculous percentage of the passes in all for maybe two and three and four yards gains. I think there's a lot better in store this year from those guys and it will spring the other receivers to make even deeper shots downfield. Defense. You know, I mentioned the defensive line. Well, they've got some depth there. Yeah, they had the numbers back in spring ball, but several of the guys were hurt or recovering. They're back. Jordan Davis is up to full speed now at the end position, and uh, Nathan Pickering is full speed again. Jaden Crumity's full speed. Those guys... So I counted seven in the true interior line drills the other day. And by that, I mean players who are going to be working at the nose tackle or nose guard, whatever you want to call it. I had a discussion with Coach Mealy today about that. Um, the nose position, the true tackle position, and the big end position. Now, seven doesn't sound like a lot, but keep in mind that's two true rotations plus a spare. 
And what's interesting to me is who those spares are shaping up to be. I'm fascinated. I I know this is going to be maybe silly to some of y'all who know a lot more about defense than I ever will. But watching Sherman Timms and John Lewis playing, okay, they're listed as linebackers, but they're in size bodies and they're being played at the linebacker type positions, but not static, not side to side or waiting for plays to come to them. They're attacking and trying to find gaps either inside the tackle or off the hip of the nose tackle. It, you know, look at the imagine a three man line and you've got a 230 or 260 pound guy who's roaming around the backfield, always in motion. And then all of a sudden he times things, charges, you know, picks his gap, judging by what he sees from the position or what Nate Watson calls from middle linebacker and just creates havoc there. We won't know for sure how well it's working until they actually get in scrimmaging, but boy, it was impressive to see how it worked against the scout offense, which was totally overwhelmed by the veterans, not just because those two guys I mentioned, Tims and Lewis, but it freed other guys to come off the end because you've got to make a choice a quick choice. Do I worry about this all of a sudden new guy coming in the middle and tie up the blocking? Does that spring a nose tackle to do something? Or do I focus on my assignment and just say good luck to whoever's outside and supposed to pick up this great big old linebacker in type coming? And that's not even accounting for guys like Tyrus Sweet coming off the edge. By the way, the uh, line bulk Yeah, when you've got Cam Jones starting on the nose, he's beaten out Nathan Pickering so far. And, um, you know, besides Jaden Crumity, then it's going to be either Randy Charlton or Jordan Davis off the other side. I like what's taking shape on the defensive front and the number of uh, veterans in there, the number of games they've played, the plays they've made. My worry in spring, one of my big worries, was defensive line depth and talents. I'm not concerned anymore. I think they're in good shape. Linebacker depth, okay, that still remains a concern, and probably more than any other unit come to think of it if we're just looking at pure numbers. Now, you got the first three, Nate Watson, Jet Johnson, and Tyrus Wheat. I'll take that trio and put them down against practically any team Mississippi State's going to play this year. Are they an all-time group? No, or not yet, but they're good and they're certainly good enough, and they're smart and experienced. I found it also intriguing that there were a couple of plays where they took Johnson and put him at a rush-in position, leaving Nate to cover inside. So you think about that now with what I mentioned doing with some of the big end types, and then you use rush-edge guys like Wheat or Johnson. You know, it, it just looks to me like what Coach Arnett and his crew are doing defensively and very early in camp. I should always emphasize very early. It just looks like there are more 2022 tweaks and twists being installed, which take advantage of this roster's versatility. Because there's big bodies, there's fast bodies, there's big fast bodies out there. The conditioning looks superb already. Another kudos to Coach Tyson Brown and what he's achieved in the offseason. I just, I, I like the tools that this staff has to work with. Would I like more depth on defense? Absolutely you still got to have a few more bodies to get you through a long SEC season, especially as injuries come, and they will come. But boy, it's a lot better than I thought it was going to be back in spring. And I didn't think they'd be bad. I was just concerned about it being maybe a vulnerable point. I'm not so concerned anymore. 
Now, once they start hitting each other, we'll tell. Maybe the defensive line just totally abuses this offensive line, which is still trying to find its chemistry with the two new tackles. I say new, Albert Reese. He should have played probably three-quarters of last season instead of maybe just the last third of the season taking the place of Scott Lashley. Okay, live and learn, or coach and learn. But I think Reese is going to do just fine at the right tackle position, settle down left tackle, and let them go to war with this defensive line. And by the way, the first full day of contact is Wednesday. So that's the day we're really going to be reporting. The pads are on, and if uh, a guy happens to get, you know, a little forearm here or a fist there or, you know, maybe a little more authority when the a thump drill with the chest to an offensive player, yeah, it's because the defensive guys want to let it out right now. You know, what did I say about using this team's versatility? I think the main thing they're going to use is this team's aggression because I see a whole lot more of that. Safeties and cornerbacks, eh, we'll save that for another day. Uh, Kicking results so far, it only occurred to me when I was putting down this script for tonight, I haven't seen a single punt so far in camp in the first two days. Uh, I'm really slacking on that part, am I? Place kicking, though, that's much more concerned to state fans. Punting is usually in good hands, or a good foot. Place kicking last year, need I say how many games it directly cost the Bulldogs, and maybe even indirectly. Well, you've got two place kickers battling it out, and uh, I'd say right now in just observation of a couple of drills, they're kind of batting about 500. Uh, Massimo Biscardi and Ben Raiden. You know, we came out of spring saying that Biscardi was more accurate, Raven had more leg. Yeah, that's still probably true, but... Let's just take Saturday, for example, when the they finished practice with an extended period of full team offense versus defense. You can read our notebook reports on that. It's still up on the site as well. They had to, uh, or didn't have to, it's their situation. They say, okay, field goal. When they got down to around the 20-yard line, and they would say, okay, you just got stopped. Let's kick a field goal. And they were split. Uh, Biscardi missed his first one and hit his second chance. Rabin hit his first one and missed his second chance. And interesting, maybe it's not interesting to you, but at least it was to me, because, hey, I'm looking for anything possible to put into a notebook. Uh, right-footed Biscardi was kicking with one holder, and left-footer Rabin has another holder. <laughs> maybe that affects your travel roster when you have to take two different guys to field the hike. Oh, punt returns. Yeah, three guys working at it, primarily Austin Williams and Emmanuel Forbes. And given Forbes' history with pick sixes, why not? Yeah, I know. The primary role of a punt returner is catch the ball and worry about returns later, if ever. I don't know. The idea of getting Forbes in there in the open field with just even a chance to do something, well, we've seen what he could do in the past when he got a pick with a head of steam there. Let's see, what else would you want to know from football practice so far? Oh, that's right, everything. Well, sorry, I can't give you everything right now because, uh, one thing, it would take too long, and second, I want to keep covering things in coming days. Um, The weather now, today again, called off for lightning. I'm sorry, moved indoors for lightning. Please, no jokes about indoor practice facility. Palmero served the purposes today because it was non-contact. In the future, yeah... But Mike Leach has made his feelings about practicing indoors known very well and very often, so ignore that. But for the next several days, it looks like 40-50% chance of thunder showers every day. 
In other words, it's August in Mississippi. <laughs> so, oh, we'll see if anything gets scratched off as far as practice goes there. But the schedule, again, all we have is the first six days. We're three days into it. It's back on the practice field around 2.30 officially, probably more like 2 o'clock on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I suspect now that the padding is going on, those short practice days are over, and you'll get the full length out of it. Of course, we'll be talking to coaches and players as made available and reporting them to you. Uh, Other things happening, of course, in the Bulldog world, and uh, our team has been reporting on what's going on with baseball at the moment. Um, Basketball, of course, that's building steam as well. We expect to have some name image likeness stories coming in the near future because that is definitely going to be a hot topic and one that uh, you will just consider yourself forewarned. You'll hear me venting about that often. No, I, I accept the reality of NIL. I'm not going to be that old codger who says, well, they shouldn't pay players anything. They're going to pay players. It's the reality. It has nothing to do with coaching salaries and everything to do with the changing perception of what a student athlete is. We'll have some conceptual ideas of what that may turn into in coming years. For now, I've made my peace with the NFL, and I want Charlie Winfield's Bulldog Initiative to succeed. He's trying to cover a lot of ground by trying to cover all Bulldog sports, but if the focus is on football right now, well, it's understandable, because it should be. So that's where I stand on that topic right now. What else? Well, tune in. We'll be talking more and more because as practice gets going, we'll have more of these podcasts. Our once-a-week schedule is over because so is the summer season. Preseason underway. It's time to get to work. Practice is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's Wednesday in full pads. That will also be uh, because of NCAA rules. You can't have contact practices on consecutive days, and we will vent more about those rules in a coming podcast as well. Uh, Here's one subject. Did you know that there is an MSU staffer who is charged with timing the number of minutes of contact drills? Yes, he is, or she is, because only 75 such minutes are allowed. Does that define persnickety? I think there's other words for it as well, but you definitely get the idea. So we will get a new schedule sometime Thursday for what the next upcoming days will be because classes also start on the 17th at Mississippi State, and that will impact the practice schedule and timing. And we will also get the scrimmaging schedule. Two scrimmages allowed. We'll let you know how that stands as far as public access to it. But our general impression, two observation days, one more talking day, so far, so good. I mean, what else can you ask for at this point? Well, you can ask for everything, but uh, we'll give you what we can here in the doghouse as well as on jeanspage.com. We thank you for listening to this edition again uh, as we start a new week again. And remember that we are presented by Bet Online. That's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with the first to market odds and lines. Bet Online, where the game starts, and the doghouse where the news starts and stops and starts again about Mississippi State sports. This is your host, David Murray. Thanks for tuning in today, and we'll be talking to you early and often again this week.